Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents Al-Akhirah, the Afterlife, Part 2, narrated by Imam Anwar Al-Awlaqi. How many from this Ummah will enter into Jannah? Rasulullah says, uh, the people were displayed in front of me. And this is in Bukhari. Rasulullah says that the angels have showed me what will happen. So I saw a prophet passing in front of me with many followers. And then I saw a prophet following with ten followers. And then I saw another prophet followed by five followers. And then I saw a prophet walking alone. There are some anbiya who will have no following on the Day of Judgment. Imagine a Nabi of Allah devoting their lives for da'wah and dunya and in the end no one responds. It's very difficult. You know, it's very frustrating when you do something and you don't see any results. That's very frustrating. Imagine that Nuh was making da'wah day and night, day in and day out, for 950 years and no one was responding. What kind of discipline does that take? Because what keeps us moving is seeing the fruits of our effort. If you keep on doing something and people keep on turning you down again and again, rejecting you, speaking against you, boycotting you, hurting you, it's impossible to go on. But the drive that the MBA has is unbelievable. It's a miracle in itself. For Nuh to do that for 950 years, what kind of effort is that? So here you have a Nabi coming on the Day of Judgment with no followers whatsoever. And then Rasulullah said, And then I saw a large gathering, and I asked the angel, Is this my Ummah? They said, No. But look to the horizon. So I looked at the horizon, and I saw a very large multitude of people. And then Jibreel told me, those are your followers, and those are 70,000 persons in front of them, who will neither have any reckoning of their accounts, nor will they receive any punishment. So in addition to that large gathering, you will have 70,000, which we already talked about. Uh, a few other hadith relating to this, uh, it says in another hadith, uh, also in Bukhari, فَقِيلَ لِي أُنظُرْ عَنْ يَمِينَكَ فَنَظَرْتُ فَإِذَا الضِّرَابِ قَدْ سُدَّ بِوُجُهُ الرِّجَالِ ثُمَّ قِيلَ لِي أُنظُرْ عَنْ يَسَارَكَ فَنَظَرْتُ فَإِذَا الْأُفُقْ قَدْ سُدَّ بِوُجُهُ الرِّجَالِ فَقِيلَ لِي أَرَضِيتُ فَقُلْتُ رَضِيتُ يَا رَبِّ رَضِيتُ يَا رَبِّ قَالَ فَقِيلَ لِي إِنَّ مَعَ هَؤُلَاءِ 70,000 يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةَ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ Rasulullah sallallahu said I was with the angel so the angel told me look at this horizon so I looked at the horizon and I saw it, I saw the horizon blocked with the faces of men. And then they told me, look at the other side. So I looked at the other side and I saw the horizon blocked with faces. Huge number, multitudes of people. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked me, oh Muhammad, are you pleased? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yes, oh Allah, I am pleased, I am pleased. And then he said, and I will give you in addition to them, 70,000 who will enter without any reckoning. In another hadith, قَالَ فَرَأَيْتُهُمْ فَعَجَبَتْنِي كَثْرَتُهُمْ وَهَيْئَتُهُمْ قَدْ مَلَأُوا السَّهْلَ وَالْجَبَلِ فَقَالَ أَرَضِيتَ يَا مُحَمَّدْ فَقُلْتُ نَعَمْ Rasulullah said, I have seen my ummah, so I was very impressed with their numbers and their looks. 
They filled the plains and the mountains. Wherever I would look, I would see my ummah. They were filling the plains and the hills and the mountains. All over. Rasulullah says, I was very amazed and impressed with my following. So you can imagine how happy Rasulullah would be on the Day of Judgment when he sees how large his ummah is. And Rasulullah really wanted to have a large following. He says in a hadith, تَكَاثَرُوا تَنَاسَلُوا فَإِنِّي مُكَاثِرٌ بِكُمُ الْأُمَمِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Rasulullah said, get married and have a lot of children because I want to be proud of you on the Day of Judgment. So he's asking us to have a lot of children so that will increase his ummah. So let's have a large ummah inshaAllah ta'ala. Rasulullah uh, he says in this hadith, Allah will say on the day of resurrection, O oh Adam, Adam will reply, Labbayka. They have a competition among them, competition in good. Uh, you know in Al-Mi'raj, when Rasulullah passed next to Musa, Musa cried, right? Why did he cry? He said, because a man was sent after me and he has more people in his ummah that will enter into Jannah than my ummah. So Musa salam, up until that moment, he was number one in terms of the following. Because the largest ummah after the ummah of Muhammad salam, is Bani Israel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And remember my, my blessing on you that I have made you the chosen people. When the Jews say that we are the chosen people of God, that is right, but it was talking about a long time ago. At one moment of time, they were the chosen people of Allah, because they were the carriers of the banner of truth, they were the ummah of the anbiya, they were the ones who established the law of Allah, and they were the first ummah to fight jihad. No other prophet has ever fought, talking about physical battle in jihad, in the past. You would have a prophet making da'wah, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would tell the Prophet to leave with his followers, and then Allah would destroy the kuffar. But with Musa alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the new law of jihad fi sabirillah. So they are the first ummah of jihad, but the greatest ummah of jihad is the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In the battle of Badr, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was seeking the counsel of the Sahaba. So in Maghdad ibn Amr, he stood up. And he said, O Messenger of Allah, we will not say like the children of Israel said to Musa, go and fight with your Lord, we're going to wait right here. We are going to tell you, go and fight with your Lord, we will fight with you. Abdullah bin Mas'ud, years later, he would say, I, I have seen, I have witnessed Al-Maghdad ibn Amr in one time, and I wish that I was the person there instead. He said, when Al-Maghdad ibn Amr stood up and said those words, I was so impressed by what he said, I wish that I was that person. Because that was something that was said in the right time, and subhanAllah, it was a word of wisdom that we still remember with us nowadays. And it was also a strong word of encouragement for Rasulullah Because Rasulullah was asking the Sahaba their opinions, and uh, he wanted to hear from them. So you can imagine that the leader would be very happy when he sees that his followers are up to the challenge. Another Sahabi said, even if you want us to go and fight to the corners of Arabia, we'll go after you. We'll follow you. Uh, Rasulullah says, Allah will say on the day of resurrection, O oh Adam, Adam will reply, Labbayka wa Sa'daik, and all the good is in your hand. Allah will say, bring out the people of the fire. Adam will say, O oh Allah, 
how many are the people of fire? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him out of every thousand, nine hundred and ninety-nine. Rasulullah sallallahu said, that is when the hair of the children will turn gray. And every pregnant female will have a miscarriage. And one will see mankind as drunken, yet they will not be drunken. But dreadful will be the wrath of Allah. The companions of the Prophet asked, O oh Allah's Apostle, who is that accepted one? Rasulullah said, Rejoice with glad tidings. One person will be from you, and one thousand from Ya'juj and Ma'juj. And then Rasulullah further said, By him, in whose hands my life is, hope that you will be one-fourth of the people of paradise. We shouted, Allahu Akbar. Rasulullah said, I hope that you will be one quarter of the people of paradise. So the Sahaba said, Allahu Akbar. He said, I hope that you will be one third of the people of paradise. A Sahaba said, Allahu Akbar. Rasulullah then said, I hope that you would be half of the people of Jannah. The Sahaba said, Allahu Akbar. He further said, you Muslims compared with non-Muslims are like a black hair in the skin of a white ox or like a white hair in the skin of a black ox, uh, i.e. your number is very small as compared with theirs. A few other hadith, I have two hadith left. In a Tirmidhi, uh, Rasulullah says, Ahlul Jannah, Ishruna wa mi'atu saffin, thamanuna minha min hadhi al-umma, wa arba'una min sa'ir al-umam. In a Tirmidhi, Rasulullah says, the people of Jannah are divided into 120 rows. 80 rows will be from this ummah and 40 from all of the other ummah combined. So this is the ummah of Jannah. Rasulullah says in Sahih Muslim, أنا أول شفيع في الجنة لم يصدق نبي من الأنبياء ما صدقت وإن من الأنبياء نبيا ما يصدقه من أمته إلا رجل واحد. Rasulullah says, I would be the first intercessor in the paradise and no apostle among the apostles has been testified by such a large number of people as I have been testified. I have the largest ummah. And verily there would be an apostle among the apostles who would be testified by only one man from his people. And Rasulullah says in Bukhari, مَا مِنَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ إِلَّا أُعْطِيَ مَا مِثْلُهُ آمَنَ عَلَيْهِ الْبَشَرِ وَإِنَّمَا كَانَ الَّذِي أُوْتِيتُ وَحْيًا أَوْحَاهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيَّ فَأَرْجُوا أَنْ أَكُونَ أَكْثَرَهُمْ تَابِعًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ صلى الله عليه وسلم says Every prophet was given miracles because of which people believed. But what I have been given is divine inspiration which Allah has revealed to me. So I hope that my followers will outnumber the followers of all the other prophets on the day of resurrection. Why? Because the miracle of Muhammad ﷺ is different. The miracle of Muhammad ﷺ is Qur'an. While the miracles of the other Anbiya were limited to a particular scope and era of time. But the miracle of Muhammad ﷺ will last until the day of judgment. Inshallah Ta'ala will go through a tour of paradise. We will follow someone and he will take us through this tour in Jannah. Unfortunately, we cannot attach a camcorder to his head. But inshallah ta'ala, I will do my best in describing what he sees. And this person that we will follow is yourself.
So I want every one of you to imagine that you are the one who's taking this tour. Not someone else, it is you. And everything that we're talking about, just imagine yourself in that position. Use your ability of imagination for this purpose because it's good for you. It's very healthy. The more you are attached to paradise, the more you fear hellfire, the closer you will be to Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says above the righteous in Quran, They pray to him out of fear and love. So they fear the punishment of Allah and they also are expecting the edge of Allah. And Ibn al-Qayyim says that as a mu'min, as a believer, you should be like a bird with two wings. One wing, raja, good expectation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the other wing, fear. And they need to be balanced. So it should not be pure good expectation, nor should it be pure fear. But you have a balance of both. So you expect the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you fear the punishment from Allah. Why? Because if you have too much expectation of, of reward, that would make you relaxed and it wouldn't drive you to worshipping Allah. You'll say, well, Allah is going to forgive me anyway. So that will make you slow in ibadah. And if you have too much fear, so you're always telling myself, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm going to fail, I'm not going to pass, Allah is going to punish me. Too much of that will make you desperate. And you will get into a state of despair and you will give up. So you should have a balance of the two. So imagine yourself traveling in this journey to Al-Jannah, the true wonderland. Al-Jannah. It's full of wonders. And no matter how good you are in imagining what Allah will give you, it's not going to be a fraction of the real thing. Anyway, so this person, on the Day of Judgment, will go to a bridge that leads to Jannah. This highway is the only road that takes to Jannah. And he will be stopped. And all of the believers that he used to know in dunya, whom he owes them something, whether it is financial, or whether he has hurt any one of them, or abused any one of them, or spoken ill about any one of them, they will be brought together on this bridge. And everything that happened between them will be evened out. So they will go through a process of purification on this bridge. So if you slap someone in dunya, you're going to get that back on this bridge. If you've spoken ill about someone, you're going to have to be paid back for that on that bridge. Because, إِنَّ اللَّهَ طَيِّبُ وَلَا يَقْبَلُ إِلَّا طَيِّبُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure and He accepts nothing that is not pure. And because Jannah is pure, 
no one can enter into paradise until they are completely purified, until they are 100% pure. And the purification process that a person goes through starts in dunya. Any pain or suffering that you go through here will reduce some of that impurity. It will cleanse you. Your illness, any loss that you go through in dunya, that's a purification. And then, Sakharat al-Maut, the agony of death, that's a purification. Any pain that a person will go through in their grave, that's a purification. The waiting time in the Day of Judgment, 50,000 years long, that's a process of purification. And then on this bridge, they will be purified before they enter into Jannah. Rasulullah s.a.w. says in Bukhari, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يخلص المؤمنون من النار فيحبسون على قنطرة بين الجنة والنار فيقص لبعضهم من بعض مظالم كانت بينهم في الدنيا حتى إذا هذبوا ونقوا أذن لهم في دخول الجنة فوالذي نفس محمد بيده لأحدهم أهدى بمنزله في الجنة منه بمنزله كان في الدنيا صلى الله عليه وسلم says the believers after being saved from the hellfire will be stopped at a bridge between paradise and hell and mutual retaliation will be established among them regarding wrongs that they have committed in the world against each other. After they are cleansed and purified, they will be admitted into paradise and by him in whose hand Muhammad's soul is, every one of them will know his dwelling in paradise better than he knew his dwelling in this world. After the purification process is over, you will enter through the gates of paradise. And we have spoken about the gates of paradise earlier on. Rasulullah says in this hadith in Bukhari, that you will know where your house is better than you knew your address in dunya. You will not need any guide, you will not need any directions. You will not need to call a friend to tell you where is my place in Jannah. Instinctively, you will know where you belong. Because you are a son of Adam. And Adam السلام, his house, his original house was Jannah. Adam did not belong to any country or nation on earth. He did not have any nationality. Adam السلام, was not proud that he belonged to a certain country in this world. He didn't have any pride in that. His homeland was Jannah. And his children, who are righteous, their homeland is Jannah. So for them, this world was only a temporary place. They were travelers. Rasulullah says, be in this world as a wayfarer, as a traveler. You're passing by. So you don't really know the details of this dunya. Yes, you learned about your address in this world, but it's a temporary place for you. You belong to Jannah, and you will know your address in Jannah better than you knew the directions to your house in dunya. Instinctively, your heart will guide you there. It will take you to your mansion. Now, you've spent a lot of time waiting on the Day of Judgment. Years and years. In the heat of the sun. No food, nothing to drink. It's very hot, so you're very hungry and thirsty. As soon as you get to the gates of Jannah, you will be treated. 
So what will be the first meal that you will have and what will you drink? Well, this meal, you will start off with an appetizer first. And then you're going to go on to the main dish. Following that, you'll have something to drink. And remember that you're very hungry and thirsty. Uh, so this will be one of the most tastiest foods that you ever had. The appetizer will be fish liver. I don't know if that is your favorite in dunya. I wonder if any of you love fish to start with. Add to that, this is fish liver. But just keep in mind that anything you're going to get in Jannah is good. So Rasulullah he called it fish liver, ziyadat kabid al-hut. But trust me, it's going to be good. So that's going to be the appetizer. And then the main course is going to be a good steak. It doesn't say in the hadith that it's steak, but it says in the hadith that it is an ox, a steer. Now, this steer is actually living at the moment. And it is eating from the grass of Jannah. It's going around. This uh, ox or steer is enjoying itself in Jannah at the moment. It's feeding itself, preparing to feed you. So it's eating in Jannah. And as it is the tradition of the Anbiya, whenever they would receive a guest, if they have an animal to slaughter, then they would do that as an honoring for their guest. Just like it is mentioned about Sayyidina Ibrahim in Quran, that when he received the three guests, what did he do? He slaughtered for them a young calf, and he roasted it for them. Ajil, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described this calf as being Sameen, it's very well fed, and Hanif, it is roasted. So that is the food Sayyidina Ibrahim salam presented to his guests. So it's a sign of honoring for your guests when you slaughter something for them, especially for them. So since you are going to be entering into Jannah and you are a new guest in paradise, the angels are going to prepare this special treat for you. So this ox that has been feeding in Jannah for a very, very long time, it will be slaughtered and you will enjoy its meat as the first dish you will have in Jannah. And what will you drink? Well, the drink that will go along with this food is from a spring called Salsabil. That is what you will drink with it. We have no idea what Salsabil is. It sounds very good and it will taste excellent. The hadith is in Muslim. Rawa Muslim anna thawban mawla rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam haddathahu. Qala kuntu قائما عند رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فجاء حبر من أحبار اليهود فقال السلام عليك يا محمد فدفعته دفعة كاد يصرع منها فقال لما تدفعني فقلت ألا تقول يا رسول الله فقال اليهودي إنما ندعوه باسمه الذي سماه به أهله فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن اسمي محمد الذي سماني به أهلي فقال اليهودي جئت أسألك فقال له صلى الله عليه وسلم أينفعك شيء إن حدثتك قال أسمع بأذني فنكت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بعود معه فقال سل فقال اليهودي أين يكون الناس يوم تبدل الأرض غير الأرض والسماوات فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم هم في الظلمة دون الجسر قال فمن أول الناس إجازة 
قال فقراء المهاجرين قال اليهودي فما تحفتهم حين يدخلون الجنة قال زيادة كبد الحوت قال فما غداءهم على إثرها قال ينحر لهم ثور الجنة الذي كان يأكل من أطرافها قال فما شرابهم عليه قال من عين فيها تسمى سلسبيلا قال صدقت ثوبان the freed slave of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said while I was standing beside the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam one of the Jewish rabbis came and said peace be upon you O Muhammad so I pushed him back with a push that was so strong he was gonna fall so Thoban he just pushed this rabbi and he was almost gonna fall down so the Jewish rabbi said why do you push me I said why don't you say, O Messenger of Allah? So this rabbi said Muhammad, plainly, without saying Rasulullah So Thoban was angry, so he pushed him. So the Jewish rabbi said, We call him by the name which he was named by his family. His family named him Muhammad, I'm going to call him Muhammad. Rasulullah out of his gentleness and kindness, he said, uh, Yes, my name is Muhammad with which I was named by my family. My name is Muhammad. Go ahead. You can call me Muhammad. So the Jew said, I have come to ask you something. Muhammad وسلم, said, Should that thing be of any benefit to you if I tell you that? Rasulullah kind of felt that this man is just coming to argue with him. So he told him, Would you benefit? If I answer your questions, would you benefit? Would that be of any good for you? So he said, I will lend my ears to it. I will lend my ears to it. I cannot promise that I would benefit from it or not. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. So Muhammad had a stick in his hand and he was uh, pointing it to the sand. He said, well, go ahead and ask whatever you like. So the Jewish rabbi said, where would the human beings be on the day when the earth would change and the heavens would change? He's referring to the day of judgment. Where would the people be? So Muhammad sallallahu said, they would be in the darkness beside the bridge. So the people will be next to al-Sirat al-Mustaqeem. The Jew said, who among the people will be the first to cross the bridge? Rasulullah sallallahu said, fuqara al-Muhajirin, the poor among the immigrants. We talked about this earlier on. The Jew said, what would constitute their breakfast? Actually it's translated as breakfast when it is tuhfatum. Tuhfa is like an appetizer or a treat. So what will be their treat? Rasulullah said, uh, fish liver. The Jew said, what would be their food after this? Rasulullah said, the ox which was fed in the different quarters of paradise would be slaughtered for them. So this ox is eating from the different plants of Jannah. So you can imagine how tasty it would be. The Jew said, what would their drink be? He, Muhammad said, they would be given to drink from the fountain which is named Salsabil. So now you have had your first meal, your first drink in Jannah, and now you're heading straight to your property. And your instincts are guiding you through the different paths of Jannah, and you're traveling and seeing all of this wonder around you, breathtaking scenes. And you're going straight to your real estate. So you see this beautiful palace in front of your eyes. And you are told that all of this belongs to you. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the palaces of Jannah. Actually, let's say that first of all you were guided towards your status in Jannah. Because we know that Jannah is different levels. So you go to your level. And we know that Jannah is divided into different ranks. It's not just one plain level. It is many. There are many levels in Jannah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, انظر كيف فضلنا بعضهم على بعض وللاخره اكبر درجات واكبر تفضيلا الله سبحانه وتعالى says see how we have bestowed more on some than others but verily the hereafter is more in rank and gradation and more in excellence Allah سبحانه وتعالى saying that we have given people in this world they are different in the wealth that they have. Some people are rich, some people are poor, some people are healthy, some people are ill, some people are strong, some people are weak. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has distributed the rizq among people in dunya differently. And people are in different levels in this dunya. Some people work for others, some people, people work for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has distributed the provisions on the people in this dunya with different amounts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, just as there are differences between people in this world, there will be larger and greater differences among the people in Jannah. So here the proportion of difference between people, even though we might see it as very large, you know we say that people, some people have it all and some people have nothing, in Jannah there will be huge differences between the different levels. And uh, Rasulullah says in a hadith that the people of a lower level will see the people in the level above them like you see stars. That's the tremendous difference between them. Because remember that Jannah is huge. So we are fighting on the small planet with the limited resources and scarce resources on it. And we're fighting and killing ourselves on it. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Jannah, Allah says in Quran, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِّن رَبِّكُمْ وَجَنَّةٍ عَرْضُهَا السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضُ أُعِدَّتْ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the width of paradise, not the length, the width of paradise is like the heavens and earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created seven samawat, seven heavens. We are living in the lowest heaven. This is the samaa dunya, the lowest heaven. This heaven, compared to the heaven above it, is like a ring in a desert. And how large is the heaven we are living in? Do you know that every star that we see, and every galaxy that is discovered, is all within the lowest heaven? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِيحَ we have decorated the lowest heaven or adorned the lowest heaven with stars. Therefore, all of the stars that we know of are within the first sama, the first heaven. And we're talking about astronomical distances. You know, you don't measure distances in astronomy using miles or kilometers. You use light years. Because it would be useless to use miles with all of these zeros next to it. So they measure distances in light years. How close is the sun to us in light years? About eight minutes. 
And how close is the closest star to us? The closest star is how many light years away? About four and a quarter. So it takes the light four and a quarter years to travel from the star to reach us. And light travels with the speed of 186,000 miles per second or 300,000 kilometers per second. Not per hour, per second. So in one second, a light beam would travel 300,000 kilometers. And it takes the light four and a quarter years to travel from the star to us. There are stars that are billions of light years away. So it is taking the light billions of years to reach us. This is the Sama'a dunya As Sama'a dunya compared to the Sama'a above it is like a ring in a desert. And the second to the third is like a ring in the desert. And the third to the fourth is like a ring in a desert. And on and on and on until we get the, to the seventh heaven. And the seventh heaven compared to Al-Kursi of Allah is like a ring in the desert. And Al-Kursi compared to the throne is like a ring in the desert. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the size of Jannah, the width of it is like the heavens and earth altogether. So all of this, all of humanity are fighting over this earth when it is not a speck compared to Al-Jannah, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prepared for the believers. So here you have huge differences in, in the levels of Jannah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give the strong believer more than he would give the weak believer. Uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, المؤمن القوي خير وأحب إلى الله من المؤمن الضعيف وفي كل خير. A strong believer is better and is more lovable to Allah than a weak believer, and there is good in everyone. So both are good. The weak believer is good, and the strong believer is good. But the strong believer is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa taala and quite expected and naturally that Allah subhanahu wa taala would give the strong believer more. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says. إن أهل الجنة يتراءون أهل الغرف من فوقهم كما يتراءون الكوكب الدري الغابرة في الأفق من المشرق والمغرب لتفاضل ما بينهم. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says the inmates of paradise would see the inmates of the mansions above them as you see the shining planets which remain in the eastern and western horizons because of the superiority some have over others. So the ones in the lower level will see them as they would see stars way in the distance because of their superiority in their deeds in dunya. So a small effort in dunya would lead to a huge difference in akhirah. So you can see that every deed would have a, a huge leverage. So one single small act of goodness could end up meaning the difference between the earth and the sun in distance. And Rasulullah says in the hadith that the one who memorizes Qur'an, they will be told to recite Qur'an when they enter into Jannah. And with every ayah that they recite, they're going to go up one level. With every ayah. So one ayah makes a difference between a level and another. How long will it take you to memorize an ayah? A few minutes. So very small deeds in dunya mean a lot on the Day of Judgment. You know the concept of leverage. You'd have... A small thing on one side would end up causing a great difference on the other side. It's like the uh, lot of uh, tools and equipment use that concept. Trying to refresh my memory about physics. 
So you'd have a very small pressure on one side would be magnified on the other. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Quran that Jannah is different. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Rahman, He talks about two groups. One of them, وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَانِ But for those who feared the position of their Lord are two gardens. And Allah describes these two gardens. And then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a different status. وَمِن دُونِهِمَا جَنَّتَانِ And below them in excellence are two gardens. So you have a high status and you have a lower status beneath them. So what is the highest status and what is the lowest status? Let's start by the lowest. Musa السلام, he asked Allah this question. He said, oh Allah, tell me about the highest level in Jannah and the lowest level. And there are a few ahadith, different narrations that mention the difference between the highest and the lowest. One of them, and these are authentic ahadith, Rasulullah says, the last person to leave hellfire, the last person, only Allah knows how long he spent in hellfire. This is a person who is leaving hellfire after the people of Jannah have all entered and they have spent their years and years and maybe even thousands of years, maybe even millions of years. Only Allah knows. So they are already established in Jannah, they've been there for a very long time, and this man is crawling out of hellfire. He barely made it out. He had so many sins that he ended up staying there for so long, only in the end did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala admit him to leave. So this man is crawling out of hellfire after burning there a very long time. And he comes out. And he is in the wasteland that is between hellfire and paradise. So he didn't enter paradise yet. And he's quite happy that he's out of hellfire. Even though he's in the middle of nowhere, but he is very happy. But as a human being, we're greedy. We want more. So this man, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a tree appear to him in the horizon. So this is a wasteland, nothing grows. It's too close to hellfire, so... The heat of hellfire and the smoke of hellfire is just destroying this land. Even though it's not part of hellfire. But Allah makes a tree grow in the distance. So this man sees the tree. Even though he's having fun in, this, in the middle of nowhere. Just thanking Allah that he received clemency from Allah and left hellfire. But when he sees the tree, he says, Oh Allah, can you please allow me to go under that tree so I can stay under its shade and eat from its fruits and drink from the water which the tree is being irrigated with. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say yes. So he allows him to go there. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tempts him with another tree that is bigger and more good looking. So he sees the other tree and says, Oh Allah, can you please allow me to go to that other tree? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him, O son of Adam, what will satisfy you? If I give you this, you're going to ask for something more. He says, O Allah, no, I won't. That tree is going to be good enough for me. I'm not going to ask for anything else. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow him to go, so he will go next to the other tree. But then, a larger tree appears for him. And as soon as he sees it, he says, O Allah, 
Please allow me to go under that tree. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him, didn't you promise you're not going to ask for anything more? Oh son of Adam, what will make you content? He will say, oh Allah, I promise. I'm not going to ask for anything more. Just that tree. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow him to go to that tree. Now the trees are getting better because we're getting closer to Jannah. And we're getting further away from hellfire. I mean, hellfire is an environmental disaster. We talked about it and we said that if one drop of zaqum falls on the earth, what will happen? A catastrophe. Rasulullah says, If one drop of zaqum drops on this world, it will corrupt the world and everything in it. So you can tell that this wasteland next to Jahannam is completely destroyed because of hellfire. But now we're getting closer to Jannah. So when he gets to that larger tree, what does he see? He sees the gates of Jannah in front of his eyes. Way in the distance, he sees the gates of paradise. So now he cannot hold himself. He says, oh Allah, I promised, but please just allow me to go and sit under the walls of Jannah. I don't want to go in there. I just want to be next to the gates. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him, O oh son of Adam, you've been asking me and promising every time that you're not going to ask for anything more and I'm giving you every time what you ask for. Are you going to ask for something else? He said, no, Allah, that's it. That's the end of it. Just allow me to sit under the gates of Jannah. That's it. So he goes and sits under the wall of Jannah and when he gets there, he can hear the voices of people of Jannah. He hears their laughing, he hears their talking, and he becomes so jealous. I mean, he's hearing all of this fun that is the voices that are coming out from Jannah, and he cannot hold himself. So he says, Oh Allah, just allow me to go through the gates. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him, Son of Adam, what will please you? If I give you the equivalent of the earth and everything in it, inside Jannah, will that satisfy you? Because this man is every time is asking for something more. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him, Are you going to be content if I give you the equivalent in Jannah of the earth and everything in it? He says, Oh Allah, yes. So Allah will tell him, I will give you that. And similar to it. And similar to it. And similar to it. So Allah is multiplying that. Until Allah multiplies the earth and everything in it five times. So the man now starts to stop Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's telling Allah, oh Allah that's enough. I am pleased, I am pleased. So Allah is going on and on and this man is saying, oh Allah that's enough for me. Oh Allah that's enough. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and I will multiply that by ten. And then I will give you whatever will please your eyes and satisfy your heart. In addition to that. So this is the lowest level of Jannah. Ten times the earth and everything in it. And then the gate is open for you to ask for whatever you want on top of that. And I will give you whatever will please your eyes. That is the lowest level in Jannah. For a man that has sinned and spent time in hellfire and was burnt in hellfire for years and years. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give him the equivalent of 10 times the earth and everything in it. That is the lowest level of Jannah. Well, what about the highest? The population of Jannah are like a pyramid. You have the largest population on the lower levels. And then the number narrows and narrows and narrows until you got the top of the pyramid. How many people you have on the top? On the pinnacle. You have one person. So you got a lot of people on the lower level. Less on the level above it. And then it's less and less and less until you reach to the pinnacle of paradise, the top. There's nothing above it. And that place is reserved for one person and one person only. Rasulullah says, إِذَا سَمِعْتُمُ المؤذن فَقُولُوا مِثْلَ مَا يَقُولُ ثُمَّ صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ صَلَّى عَلَيَّ صَلَاةِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ بِهَا عَشْرًا ثُمَّ سَلُوا اللَّهَ لِيَ الْوَسِيلَةِ فَإِنَّهَا مَنْزِلَةٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ لَا تَنْبَغِي إِلَّا لِعَبْدٍ مِنْ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ وَأَرْجُوا أَنْ أَكُونَ أَنَا فَمَنْ سَأَلَ لِيَ الْوَسِيلَةِ حَلَّتْ لَهُ الشَّفَاعَةِ So Allah Sallallahu says in Sayyid Muslim Whoever after listening to the Adhan says O oh Allah, Lord of this perfect call and of the regular prayer which is going to be established Kindly give Muhammad ﷺ the right of intercession and superiority and send him to the best and highest place in paradise which you promised him. Rasulullah says, If you ask Allah to give me that level, then I will make shafa'ah for you on the day of judgment. If you make dua for Rasulullah after every adhan, he will pay you back on the day of judgment by making shafa'ah for you. So the dua to be said after adhan, memorize this. اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة والصلاة القائمة آتي محمدا الوسيلة والفضيلة وابعث اللهم مقاما محمود الذي وعدت إنك لا تخلف الميعاد. The name of this status, the highest place in Jannah, the name of it is الوسيلة. That's the name of it. So ask Allah to give Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم الوسيلة. This is a place in Jannah that has been specially prepared by Allah سبحانه وتعالى. For this person. It's reserved for him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reserved it for him. And it is the top of paradise. And there is nothing above it but the throne of Allah. So on top of al-wasila you have the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Rasulullah is right next to the creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the highest level of Jannah. And then you also have other people who are going to be in other higher uh, levels. Obviously, Rasulullah is the highest, and then you have the Anbiya, and then you have others. It is mentioned that Rasulullah was asked, who are the best of a shuhada? So Rasulullah said, they are the ones whom when they go to the battlefield to fight, they never look back. And they never turn their faces until they die. Rasulullah says, when they die, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will smile at them. And Rasulullah says, and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala smiles at anyone, they will not go through reckoning. And Rasulullah says, أُولَٰئِكَ يَنْطَلِقُونَ فِي الْغُرَفِ الْعُلَىٰ مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ They are going to be in the highest mansions of paradise. Rasulullah also says, the one who looks after the orphan, whether he is a relative or not, 
I and he will be together in paradise like this. So you will be a neighbor of Rasulullah in Jannah if you take care of the orphans. And also some people will enter into a certain status in Jannah and then suddenly they will see that they're rising and they are going to go to a, an elevated status and they're going to ask why. Our deeds only brought us to this level so how come we are rising higher? They will be told because your children used to make istighfar for you. So if you want to be dutiful towards your parents, ask Allah to forgive them. And this will raise their level in Jannah. So teach your children this habit, ask him to make forgiveness for you, to make dua for you, because uh, you'll be in a certain status in Jannah and suddenly, automatically, an elevator will come and pick you up. Because of this, sallallahu Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www. Dot al-bashir dot com. That's www.al-bashir.com You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. Please proceed to the next CD. It's the far that your children are doing for you.